Welcome to Be More Super the Podcast. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. An action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, we've got another great guest for you. It's it's an actor from across the pond. This actor has been in such things as C, CW's um, Coroner, DC Legends of Tomorrow, Hudson and Rex, Supergirl, The Expanse, Des- Designated Survivor. Literally, the list goes on. This man is so, so busy, and it's great to have some time with him. It's Sean Ahmed. Sean, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, you, you're definitely a busy man. You really, really are. So uh, once again, thank you for uh, giving me your time for a, a good old chinwag, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we start talking about your your wonderful career and some of the projects that, that you've got coming up, uh, like I ask, uh, you know, my guess, it's a bit of a check-in, really, because the last two years have, have been quite stressful unusual for some some it may not have changed anything it depends how social you are but um i mean how have you kept positive over the last two years and how have you kept moving forwards with all the challenges that we have faced um well i think that's just i think you kind of like what you said they're just moving forward i'm pretty good at kind of blocking things out and just moving on um that's something that i've just always you know what i mean like it's I'm very lucky to have a very supportive family, a really group, great, great group of friends, and a lovely partner um, that I can lean on when things are tough. Um, it is strange to be in a business that is specifically in Toronto right now that is booming while mm. the world around us is falling apart. Uh, so there's definitely like a push and pull there. Where from a as a member of society, I feel very saddened by what's happening. I feel very saddened by you know, the way we're reacting to doctors and scientists and Mm. the way political motives are kind of driving narratives within our landscape. But no, it's great. I mean, I've got to say, I mean, being in this industry, uh, I mean, have you ever wondered to yourself how important that you are in what you're doing in these times? Because, you know, we we look for shows and, and, and TV TV shows and films to escape from this whole, you know, horrid things that are going on at the moment. Do you ever wonder or think to yourself how important the work that you're doing actually is? Um, I think as an actor, I don't think it's particularly important. Um, <laughs> it's, it's dressing up and playing pretend. Uh, and a lot of people can do it. There's a lot of incredibly talented actors and actors all around the world um so in that way i don't i think the the importance is really on storytelling where i think like the Mm -hmm. writers and directors and producers that are doing the heavy lifting before any of us actors that you would get to set uh, that's where the important stuff is being done because those are the stories that actually you know they're deciding this is what we want to do a a network is saying we want to tell this story at this time in in our world and that is that is important and it's it's exciting to be a part of that so i see the importance of the industry on a personal level no i think i i i think it's really fun and i try to keep that in mind both so it doesn't add a self-importance to my work while i'm doing it uh and then just try to keep myself a little rational as i kind of navigate what is a a very wild industry well, that's definitely a humble approach because because what you do i think is fantastic and and yes we've got to give a nod to the writers uh the people behind the camera as well because everyone's job is as important as each other's uh because yeah. it is one big machine so what is uh sean's origin story where did you grow up um you know what does your early life look like give 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 us a bit of a picture yeah um, so I grew up in Scarborough, Ontario, which is a suburb of Toronto. Um, I was, you know, it was, a, I, I say to everyone that I think I came from the most multicultural place in the world, because I don't think a lot of people would debate that Canada is probably the most cult- multicultural country. I don't think a lot of people within Canada would debate whether or not Toronto is the most multicultural city 
in Scarborough within Toronto, no one's going to debate that Scarborough is not the most multicultural place. So it was a real melting pot. And I think that's given me a view of the world that is a lot different than when I started going out beyond, like once I became an adult and went out, I realized, oh, it's, it's very different to grow up being bombarded by multiple cultures all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and within that time, as a kid, I started to really love doing plays. I, I really like, I just love taking drama in school. And that was really all it was. And I didn't really think of it as much of a career. I, I always thought of it more as this, me being good at this is probably going to help me one day if I want to be a lawyer or if I want to, at the time I had more business aspirations. So I thought this is really going to help me kind of in that world. Um, and then right before I went to high school, uh, one of my old teachers had approached me and she said, which school are you going to? And, and in Toronto, you go to the school that's closest to you, but you can apply to go out further. And she said, there's an art school. It's a little further away, but I really think you should apply and I think you should go there. Uh, and the school is called Wexford School for the Arts. Uh, it's very much like fame. Uh, you know, you audition to get into the school. You you are expected to sing, dance and act while you're there. And you do a big musical every year. Um, so I got in and I started working there. And, and even there, to be quite honest, I didn't really see it as a viable career. It was just something really fun that I was doing. Um, but I was lucky enough while I was there, uh, I had gotten an agent. So I was auditioning for bit roles and commercials and in TV shows in Toronto. Um, and then I got out of, U- and then I, I, as I was graduating school, I, I decided, you know, I'm going to go do economics at the University of Toronto. So that's what I pursued. Um, and just kind of by happenstance, my, you know, my agent at the time just said, why don't you stay on my roster and I'll submit you for commercials. And if you book something, you know, that's a really good chunk of change you can make as a student. Um, This could be really good for you. And I thought that's a great idea. I I love the idea of having more money as a student. (laughs) So I took her up on it. And uh, only about a year in uh, a year after my first year, I uh, I landed a role in a, in a movie called flight 93 that A&E produced, which was one of the first nine 11 films, docudramas that they had made. Um, You can probably guess what kind of role I had. (laughs) <laughs> so it wasn't exactly like a dream role or anything like that. Mm. Um, but it was, you know, my first opportunity to be a supporting role in a movie that Lionsgate was making with A&E that really like I got to sink my teeth into something. I got to be on a set day in, day out. And and I flew out west to go shoot it as well. Uh, and I remember on the way back just thinking, OK, this is pretty cool. And I got to figure out a way to make this work. Um, I was kind of, cause I said, I was already my first year through university and I thought I should finish my degree. I should have that as a thing. Um, and I was lucky to be in Toronto so I could continue to audition. And, and, you know, I started working in sketch comedy groups and, and things like that, just to kind of stay active in the industry and get to know people and make connections and, and do the things that I figured I would be doing if I'd gone to theater school, but mm. you know, on my own, um, when I graduated from school, I thought I really want to do classical theater. I really wanted to get that training. So I went out to, uh, there's this uh, company in Lenox, Massachusetts, uh, in the States called Shakespeare and Company. Uh, and it's run by Tina Packer uh, and Kristen Linklater founded it uh, way back when. And they have a really robust training program. And I kind of did a crash course in classical theater. Uh, it was six days a week, 14 hours a day for six weeks straight. And by the time I left, I kind of just had all the tools I needed. I just had to put them in place. So I just kept kind of working on my own, working with my friends. Um, and then I fortunately, very, very fortunately, started to work within theater and get a lot of real life, real world experience uh, the way I wanted. And then the film stuff started to come along. And, and, mm. and yeah, that's kind of and Now I'm here. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you, went, when you mentioned earlier on that you did uh, quite a quite a few musicals, have you got a favorite musical that you did uh, during that time? Favorite musical. The first musical I did was Anne of Green Gables. And that was a lot of fun. I think maybe because it was my first, it was just really, I was in the chorus and I danced in the background. Like that's, mm. you know, I didn't have a role in it. So in, in when I was in high school, I never actually was a, a lead in any of our shows or had a role in any of our shows. I was usually delegated to singing and dancing in the background. Uh, but I was happy with that because it was fun and, and mm. I liked doing it. I had a, a lot of really great friends there. Um, but I think my favorite was The Music Man. That was like, that just like, because there was a few things that happened. One, the music's great. The story's great. And also there's so many pop cultural references that are pulled and in our, like, you know, when I was doing The Music Man, it was, 
we're doing trouble and you know the 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 whole like well you got trouble my friend that's right i say trouble right here right here in river city and i'm i'm watching them rehearse and i'm in the background i'm okay i'm watching the guy do it and i'm like holy shit this is monorail from the simpsons and then i'm like putting it together and i'm like oh this is where they got it from this is incredible um and that's when i kind of started to like blow my mind i was like oh my god all these references and all these shows that i'm digesting and loving are all pulled from a lot of these like classical musicals mm-hmm. um so that was a really cool experience and of course it's rocking it now in broad broadway with the wonderful hugh jackman uh that is in the music man at that's at, right at the mo- mo- moment and then you you say that you went to university and you did was it economics that, that you did at university um it's what i find odd is that a quite quite a lot i would probably say 90 percent of my guests um you know they were they were studying at university for something that's not even sorry, related Brian, to oh sorry I can you hear me now oh, oh I'm sorry yeah so so what what i find really unusual is that the majority of my guests um you know went to university to study something completely not related to this profession uh and i didn't know if that's the normal thing because over here in the uk you know people would study performing arts they would then go on to university to do a performing arts degree i mean is is that something available available in the states or canada or is it a case of going down the route of studying and then doing extra things to, you know, to to become, um, you know, more involved with the arts? There are a, definitely some really phenomenal theatre programs all across Canada mm. and America, for sure. Um, I think there were probably two main factors at play. One is... Um, I didn't quite know how to convince my parents that this was a good, because, you know, going to university was not a decision that I got to make alone individually. It's something me and my Mm. family got to make. And I got to have a say, a a huge say, but it wasn't something I I just got to say, I'm going to do this, goodbye. Um, And there was probably, I, I didn't even really approach the subject, but there were probably have been no way to convince them that, you know, spending all this, spending whatever education fund they had saved for me would be best applied in a theater theater uh, theater way and, and definitely i would say in comparison to at least what i understand of the system in in england uh it, there's a lot more respect towards training there i think than here but that's not to say that there aren't incredible programs here no, no. and then the other thing was i wasn't certain of it because there weren't a lot of people that looked like me doing the types of things that I would want to be doing on television or in theater at the time. Mm. There were definitely instances of South Asians being on camera and South Asians being on stage, on stages, but they weren't playing the types of roles that I felt were things that I connected with. They were often very stereotypical and it just, I, it just didn't feel like viable for so long. Um, Mm. And it still sometimes doesn't. Um, Recently, obviously there's been a huge shift where I, I, now auditioning for stuff that I never would have auditioned for before Mm. um, and the types of roles I'm getting. But yeah, it just, it just didn't seem like a viable thing at the time. It just didn't make sense. Um, I mean, when you talk about obviously the roles of you starting out, I mean, now the diverse diversity and inclusion within the industry has changed massively. I mean, did that ever worry you when starting out uh, of being typecast, you know, uh for your ethnic background because you know now it's wonderful to see that that's well majority not not the case i I presume there is still still that in in place but did it worry you starting out and and how different is it now yeah um i'd say starting out it was twofold i knew it wasn't the way it needed to be at the time I knew if this if the system and the business didn't change at all, I wouldn't have the type of career I wanted. But I was also deeply motivated to be a part of the change. I, I thought there was something very special about being, you know, first through the gates of playing just a lawyer, not mm-hmm. a Indian lawyer with an accent, not, you know, whatever, a, an Arab lawyer, but like just a lawyer. He's just a lawyer delivering his lines. And I thought that that would be really cool to be a part of that change in, in a small way. Um, so I, there was a challenge aspect too. I'm very competitive. So there was a, definitely a sense of for me to be like, why can't we switch it up? 
Um, I remember I had a, I, there was, um, there's a director uh, who runs, I believe it's called Tarot Arts in London. He directs at the National, his name's Jitinder Verma. And he did a talk in Toronto and he was saying, uh, and this would have been in 2010. So I'm about like three, four years into taking myself seriously as an actor. And he said, he was saying that in the 70s and 80s, when he was doing Shakespeare in London, they would, the, with South Asians, they would get beat up after the shows. And he said, the people would say to them that beat them up said, you can do your own plays, but you can't do him. William's ours. And they got like the shit kicked out of them for doing wow. <laughs> much ado about nothing. Like that's crazy. Right. Wow. And then they would show up battered and bruised and do the play the next day. And that I remember talking to him after and I said, well, you know, I don't get beat up for doing plays. Like that's not my fight anymore. So I don't mm -hmm. have this like obstacle to overcome where I'm physically being threatened to do a play. It's very different now. I said, what is my generation's challenge? And he said, very simply, he said, it's just to normalize it. He's like, just go play as many normal, regular people as possible, like normalize the hell out of it. And he's like, that's what you guys can do. And that really just resonated with me. And I thought that's what I want to do around that time. I also was very fortunate. I got an agent. Uh, I had switched agencies and, and the agent I got was just like, you know, just across the board, we're not going to submit you for stereotypical roles. He's like, it means you're going to work less, but he's like, we're going to force them to see you as just kind of this weirdo dude that can be kind of funny sometimes and kind of dramatic sometimes. And that's what we're going to push. And it means less work at times, but I thought that's okay. Um, I don't want to be, I don't want to be typecast that way. Uh, and I, that's not the kind I, you know, I'm not going to sacrifice my blood, sweat, and tears to have a place in this industry that doesn't sit right with me. So I thought if, mm. if I'm going to do it, it has to be somewhat my way. I mean, you're definitely staying true to the art, aren't, aren't you? So you're not selling out just for the easy roles. And, um, you know, it's great to see Denzel Washington doing uh, Shakespeare. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's all about that. I think that we need to create a bit of blindness when it comes down to judgment and, and focus on the talent and, and what this world can offer because there's so many talented people out there. So when starting out in the industry... Who, you know, who did you look up to uh, within the industry as performers? Um, when I was starting out, well, I've always loved uh, Keanu Reeves. Um, mm. And I just thought, like, this guy is so good. And I knew that he had done this production of Hamlet in Winnipeg because uh, the, the director of it was a, an acting coach of mine in Toronto, Louis Bomander. And I just kind of really loved his approach. I loved how deeply he was always committed to the craft. Um, so he was someone that I definitely looked up to. I loved Robin Williams, uh, Jim Carrey, like, you know, just kind of wild people that were doing wild mm. things. I thought that's exciting. Um, and then more from a classical like perspective, and, I, and we don't make movies like they made before, but you know, I really love Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. Like, I love, 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 love their work. And I love Peter Sellers' work. Um, I just, it's so, when you, when you're that odd of a human being and you can fit somewhat into the box, but still subvert expectations over and over again and make people laugh over and over again, I think that's when, like, for me, storytelling is at its strongest. Um mm -hmm that's when we really start to because you just open blow people's minds um yeah 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 i mean i mean again you've named some fantastic um actors and Ro robin williams for a start i mean he's just such a great comedic actor but he's he's such an amazing serious actor as well you often find the comedic actors make amazing you know yeah. straight actors in the way that that they perform on 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 screen. Um, yeah. So let's talk about a project that you was involved with. Um, a couple of months ago, we had to say goodbye to one of the the biggest shows and the most mind blowing shows that we've seen on our screens, which is The Expanse, oh, and okay. which literally has been. I mean, I caught the series a bit late, and uh, so, but I had the fortunate opportunity to to binge watch the first couple of seasons which was fantastic and uh, I've had many of the guests uh, from that show on this show and you came in in season three so how scary because you played uh, Lieutenant Boyer and yeah. 
how scary was that to come into season three? Did you watch the show beforehand? And what yeah. was it like to work on? I was a huge fan of the show. Um, so the expanse, I had a, I had a Joe job. I, I, I had a business job. Like I was, I was working at a, a theater company in Toronto. I was man, managing all their subscription sales and mark. And I was working in their marketing department for several years. It's a full-time gig. And I was acting on the side um, for many years. And I remember one day I just kind of hit that point where I said, I can't do something else anymore. I've got it. And I didn't have a job lined up that was going to like give me the financial freedom to just act. I just thought like, mm. I'm cutting the strings. I'm jumping off the cliff. I'm taking my shot. Um, so I quit my job. The, it, I gave them several months notice after the day I left on a Friday on Monday, I auditioned for the expanse. It was my first audition as like nothing else. I, I need jobs now for, to pay my bills. This mm. is not for fun at all in any way. Uh, and I got it. And yeah, I, I, I think at just at that point in my life, I was in such a, it was just so much fun. Like I wasn't mm. scared about it was it was intimidating at times. You know, the first day on set, you walk in and you're on a two floor spaceship with an elevator that's moving up and down. You got hundreds of extras walking around you. And like I'm working with uh, Byron Mann and, and it was intimidating in that sense. But it was a lot of fun. Like it was a great reminder that this is this can be like one of the best businesses and careers in the world if you get to do stuff like this. Mm. I, you know, that was really cool. And when you auditioned, I've got a little picture there I'm going to bring up on the screen. There you go. Um, when you auditioned, did you realize that, you know, you were going to, going to deliver such a good monologue within yeah. the show? <laughs> Not at all. I auditioned. My audition must have been no more than four lines. It was two really? very short scenes. I had four lines in the audition. I thought it was a nothing role. I just thought, oh, this would be cool to just be a part of this. I, I didn't think anything more than that. Uh, after I got it, they said, oh, it's going to be a few episodes, a couple of episodes. And I thought, oh, cool. OK. And then I so when I would already shot one of the episodes, uh, I think it was the third episode of season three. Then you know, I, I, I show up in it. I say a couple of lines, I do a couple of things. And that was it. Uh, and then a couple of weeks before we went to went to camera on episode five, when I, that monologue happens, I just thought I, I read the script and I was like, what? is going on they're trusting me with all this material like did they see the audition what did they see in there that they think <laughs> uh, but the writers were all very generous uh and the writer of the episode i remember came up to me and said uh and he said you know we really like you he's like we, we wrote something fun for you so so have a good time with it um and it was fantastic i, I felt very uh i was very humbled by their trust in me mm -hmm. i mean how many takes did it take you to uh shoot that final scene or was it a case of you know, they're, 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 they're quite on a tight schedule. Did you have a chance to do it over and over again? Yeah, I remember actually. I think I I think I only did the monologue three times. I think it was three times. Like I remember we did the rehearsal and there was just, a, we did the scene in the rehearsal and I think some of the crew kind of went like, oh shit, like kind of just like, yeah, you told them. And I thought, okay, I think some, whatever I'm doing is working. So I'm not going to change a thing and I'm just going to kind of like stay in my lane right now and just deliver it from this place. And uh, they fortunately gave me coverage first, I think, um, you know, when you're shooting a show for those who don't know, you, you know, you shoot a wide and then you come in for coverage. And you, normally the person who has the more leading role gets shot first. And, mm. uh, but in that situation, they gave it to me, even though I wasn't the most important person in the scene, but you know, I had a big monologue and they wanted to get that on camera first. And I think I did three takes and I think they gave me one more and they said, why don't you just throw one more away and let's just see what happens. Um, and I believe that's the one they used. And do you feel that having something like The Expanse and this monologue, which is a great piece for your showreel, helps for future jobs? Because oh, yeah. it, to be part of such a great show that I'm still holding out for an announcement for another season because I know the fans are literally behind every but yeah. behind it all and i know the fans saved it from when it got cancelled um uh, from sci-fi uh, but it but it'd be great i mean did you keep anything uh, from the set did you keep anything from your character uh, or borrowed should should i say no they don't they don't uh, that show is a is uh shrouded in secrecy um you're not allowed to walk off that set with anything um yeah oh, they, i didn't get to keep it only the memories i have one picture one grainy picture i took 
backstage and that's it um oh. and that's oh, it but it's all yeah. in my head and and you know i think that's yeah a good of course thing yeah, yeah and you've got but it no, on screen any, as well you can watch it shows. yeah oh. and, and to your first part of the question i think it's definitely helped i think you know having a franchise like that under your belt is a good thing um mm. and yeah i think it's a great like that that scene opened my my demo reel for years um because mm. it's such a cool scene and, and you know i'm in a space outfit and i think it, it really yeah that's I, I i have very fond and special memories of, of working on the expanse um i mean reading your resume uh i suppose it's like a resume for a normal job you know if you've got some great companies on there and great roles that you've had it does help you you know with 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 future projects and your yeah. resume does read amazing you've you've been involved in so many great franchises and so many great yeah. shows which i think is fantastic and then coming up very very soon we've got a lifetime movie uh, franchise uh fallen angels yeah. murder club which sounds awesome the title itself if you could tell us a bit about who you play because you're in it with tony braxton which uh, <laughs> for me unbreak my heart is well, will always be a classic written by babyface uh if anyone's interested out there that was like my upbringing it really really was so so tell me a bit about the film who 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 you play and what the experience was like uh working on that project yeah so uh fallen angels murder club is based off of a uh, book series um by it's called the the book series is called fallen angels book club um, it is about a group of ex-convicts who are in a book club and every movie someone has they're connected and it's somehow connected to the book that they're reading and they are all worried that if we don't solve this mystery ourselves the police are definitely going to blame us because we're all criminals so they take it upon themselves to solve the solve the the murder of of each movie um, i play a character named mark ballen um, I work at a law firm in the first movie with Tony. Uh, she's a, a, a disgraced lawyer in the series. And uh, we work at a law firm together. And uh, as the series moves on, we we join forces and, and work more in, in, uh, in, 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 in um, we work together a lot more as a duo. Um, yeah, as, as a lawyer-lawyer awesome. duo. Yeah. That sounds awesome. And this is going to be on, is is Life, Lifetime a channel? Where can pe pe people watch this? Because, again, yeah. a lot of my viewers and listeners for my show, believe it or not, 80% are in the States and Canada. So a lot of these shows, we can't even get in the UK. And it's so frustrating <laughs> because it just sounds absolutely awesome. So where can viewers actually watch this um, they if can, they're in the right they country? They can watch it on Lifetime Network. It's a yeah. very large, profitable network in in america and in canada and yeah they can watch it on lifetime network i say profitable because you know lifetime does make a lot of christmas movies they make a lot of you know hallmark-esque films um with their own twist of course and they are very good at making those movies they those are very profitable films and it's you're a part of it like sometimes we forget that this is a business um and mm. you know you have to make a product that people want to see and i know a lot of actors roll their eyes at christmas movies but people are watching them people love them and they're simple stories they're easy to just sit back and watch and enjoy and uh and i know lifetime specifically has has really tried to kind of push the envelope of what they're able to do and what they can get away with and this is part of a kind of a not that they're rebranding in any way but they you know they want to have a they want to have a darker slate of films and franchises that kind of come out throughout the year. And this is part of that. Mm. And everyone loves a good Christmas movie. I mean, yeah. the thing is every year on Netflix or the Hallmark channel, we get Hallmark in the UK, which I'm quite, quite, quite pleased, pleased with, um, you know, every, everyone loves a, a feel good movie at Christmas. Um, I read as well somewhere um, that you started your own production company called is it crazy shorts crazy shirt productions sorry crazy shirt production that is prob prob my auto type when i'm doing my notes <laughs> um is that still going and if it is if it is if you could tell us a bit about it because reading up i just think it's all, all, all awesome what, what what you've done 
Thanks. Yeah. Um, so Crazy Shirt, uh, just to give you some background, started me and my buddy, Scott Lever. We're working uh, in a telemarketing center. Um, we were out of work actors, probably drinking a little too much. Um, and, you know, we didn't have a lot in common, but we both could make each other laugh and we made a lot of people laugh. And we thought, well, there's something here because we're very different people, but we share a sense of humor. So we thought, let's start writing something. So we wrote uh, like a TV pilot and we thought it was funny. So then we we thought, okay, how do we make this now? Um, and, you know, we just kind of were like, okay, well, what do we need to do? So, you know, I reached out to contacts and I said, okay, I think we need to learn how to edit because we won't be able to afford an editor. We don't have enough money. So we just downloaded Final Cut Pro and, uh, you know, I took tutorials on YouTube and just taught myself how to edit. Uh, and then we kind of like figured out all the other aspects of production that we would be able to absorb. And then anything we couldn't, we added up the cost and thought, okay, let's put that in. And I think we put in 500 bucks out of pocket to make our first project uh, each. And yeah, we hired a, you know, a sound guy and a couple of camera guys. And, and we just kind of like ran around the city and shot this pilot. Um, and, you know, when you're shooting like that, you have to beg, borrow and steal. And our joke always was if, you know, if we were like, oh, can we really ask this person for that? It was like, okay, let's just put on our crazy shirt over here and uh, and see if that'll work. And that's how the name was born because we, whenever things got tougher, said, let's put on our crazy shirts and uh, and just see if we can figure this out. Um, and then from there, it was really just a place for myself, Scott, and several of our friends and artistic colleagues to kind of write, direct, and create within. Um, and we we found ways to get some funding from networks in Canada, so we became kind of like a little bit of a hub where people could come and create. We haven't made a show in a few years, truthfully, um, but it's still very much alive. Uh, our projects are still airing across the country and, you know, they're all available online and it's not, I wouldn't say it's dead by any means. Like it'll come back at some mm. point when, when we have time to start writing and directing again. I think, I think a lot of low budget productions and like indie films as people call them or indie projects I, I, I think at times that they have more love and more substance to them. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I quite like a good in, in, indie project. I really, really do. Uh, because you tend to find really good stories and, you know, great acting in it. So it's great that, that you're doing that because, you know, these TV shows and these networks, it's great to get the net networks behind it because... I, I don't know. I, I You know, I look at some shows and they've obviously put loads of money behind it and everything like that. I mean, is your aim is to keep it, you know, sort of a bit more independent um, with the opportunity of going on net networks or is it the opportunity to make things bigger for the networks? Listen, I'm not above a network deal. That would be <laughs> amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I wouldn't anyway, say no yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would say, I think, yeah, like, you know, if you want to see the best and worst content, go to a web festival because that's when networks, there's so much money behind these shows that are coming out. So, of course, there's so many parameters and, and checkboxes they have to hit before the show can get the camera, mm -hmm. before these millions of dollars are pumped into it. So, yeah, sometimes the stories start to kind of blend into one another and feel a little bit of the same. Uh, but whereas in the indie world, yeah, you can just take huge risks. Um, and sometimes they pan out and sometimes they fail miserably. So to its roots where we are very indie, where we continue to kind of make things. Um, we made a feature film together uh, a little while ago that was made within like it was all shot in a cabin and it was because we were in quarantine and no one could really leave. So we thought, well, we'll just go to a cabin and shoot a movie. Um, so we kind of try to keep the essence of what that is. Um, but at some point it would be amazing to, to push it forward and to, and to, you know, get real money behind some of our projects. That's awesome. And when you, when, when you're talking about, obviously you as an actor, you know, which, which genre are you most comfortable in or you feel is more you? Is it comedy or is it serious acting? Uh, I mean, which genre would you want to do, you know, more of? If I had to choose, if I absolutely had to choose, I think I would choose comedy. I just think there's, when you can make people laugh, you can open them up and you can accomplish a lot more with your storytelling. But I think there's value to both. And I love, I always say, I love being the straight guy in comedies and I love being the funny person in a dramatic project. Um, that seems to be where I have found my niche as I've moved along um, to kind of, 
change whatever it is I'm doing. Like in, I'm working on a show Coroner where I play the show. Um, and then in, in comedies, I usually I get cast as a straight man when jokes are bouncing off of me and I, I don't get to enjoy the laughter the way everyone else does. But being the straight man in a comedy can sometimes be the funniest part, to be fair, because as Brits, our comedy is slightly different. Uh, we we uh, are a bit more sarcastic with our comedy, so it may not come across funny, but I think that the least reactions you 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 have can be actually funnier. But yeah. I, I've, I, I've also been told as well, I don't know if you can speak about this, but you've got coming up um you're working on something that's going to be on paramount plus it's going to be a recurring <laughs> role uh yeah. it's set it's set in space um <laughs> i don't let know me if you there, brian i can't talk about it <laughs> i've been told very specifically not to talk Damn about it. it i wish i could um but it it's yeah i can't talk about that sorry i don't want to get <sighs> it's no it small, is fine I'm too low on the totem pole to be able to talk about these things i'm uh I'm a, I, I'm not a star. I'm a working actor. Um, and when you're a working actor, you just you just chug along and you 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 get your marching orders. And my orders are not to talk about it. Do you know what? I had Doug Doug Jones on the show a while back, and when um, I advertised that I was going to have Doug Jones on, literally, I had a an army of um, people from that production uh, contact me telling me what i can and can't say yeah. what i can and can't ask him and i can understand you know ndas you want to you want to keep it as secret as possible because in the world of the internet literally nothing's secret anymore and i yeah. think that ruins things i mean i can remember watching having to go to a video store like block blockbusters and get in a video and having to go through the trailers at the beginning to see you know about these future films now yeah. uh, a touch of a button you can s find out everything about it so i think it spoils it a bit but it's fine we won't talk about it yeah, obviously right. paramount plus is doing a stellar job at the moment with the shows that they've, they've got and what's coming up as well so mm. we won't talk about that but um <laughs> but yeah um damn it you know what i always yeah. get this but do you know what exactly you're a working actor so you've got to look after look after your craft and your business so but talking about your imdb um okay there's not there's, there is not nothing there isn't anything on trivia which which i think we need to change right here right now because okay. um <laughs> you know let's let's ask sean a few questions um to maybe put on his trivia so uh, let me have a look what I've got in here. So what's the most interesting fact about you, Sean? Most interesting fact about me? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if it's the most. I'll give you two facts uh, that are maybe people don't expect from me. Uh, I love ice hockey. Like, I love the Toronto Maple Leafs. I am a diehard hockey fan. I played as a kid. When I was a kid, I thought I was going to play in the NHL. I wasn't ever good enough, but I thought in my head at the time that I could be one day. Um, and I, I still play as an adult um, and I watch every Leafs game. So I, I'm like a diehard hockey fan. Uh, and I also, well, you know, loving to cook is not a really interesting fact about anyone, but I'm really good. I'm a really good cook specifically with Indian food. I make really good curry um, across the board. You, know. you can't be a good curry. Uh, hotter yeah, the better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, talking about ice hockey, the only ice hockey game I've ever been to was the Washington Wizards against the Maple Leafs. Oh yeah, um, Washington Capitals. Yeah, Capitals. Sorry, Wizards is basketball. Sorry, right, yeah. yeah. And and I was a bit disappointed because there weren't any fighting or anything like that. It was quite yeah. a gentle game, and I They've was like, taken oh, it out of the game now. Yeah, there's really not you a know, lot of that it, stuff anymore. <laughs> but that was awesome to watch. Uh, next, next uh, question: most embarrassing moments. Most embarrassing moments. Yeah. Um. Huh. <laughs> I don't know if this is embarrassing. It was at the time. I remember being very embarrassed at the time when I was in high school. Um we were hanging out outside of the school and out of nowhere, someone yelled, Sean's weird. 
and everyone ran away from me. And that was like the end of the day. Oh. <laughs> it's like, okay, everyone ran away. And then the next day, uh, three of my friends, uh, these phenomenal singers had made a song out of it with like this really beautiful three-part harmony. At the time I was very embarrassed because I thought, oh my God, they're singing the song for like half of my classmates and they're singing, it's called Sean's Weird. And I was very uncomfortable with the whole situation. And that was very embarrassing at the time. However, now I look back at it as, uh, as a bit of a, oh, right. I've always been a strange person. Um, I've always been a weirdo. And I was just trying to pretend like I was normal back then. But obviously no one, no one believed me. But that is the coolest thing. I mean, looking back now as an adult, not only did someone shout, you know, you're weird, which technically you're getting the, the attention, but then you get a song written about you. I mean, how cool cool is that? You <laughs> yeah. know, the obviously the bullies in your school are very uh, creative. Um, you know, <laughs> making song. I got, I got. Well, at least now bullies do it over the internet, so they're lazy. So at least back then, they say sung songs, which is great. Yeah. Um, they had to see and it a in three my part face. harmony as well. A three yeah. part harmony. Um, what's your life? People. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's your lifelong dream? You know, within this career, specifically to the career. Well, it could be anything, actually. Yeah, let's let's make it anything. This is gonna sound. This may sound silly, but you know, I'm I'm very happy to be uh, like a, a working actor, a journeyman actor. I think I love the life that that can give me um, from a day to day perspective. I love that it gives me an opportunity to work on lots of different jobs. Um, and I'm okay not being a celebrity or star. Those are not things that I've desired the same way, uh, especially in the last, you know, five to five, seven years. But I would like to get famous enough so that I could be in the NHL celebrity all-star hockey game. That would be awesome. Level. That is, that, that's, that... that's just my perfect level of fame. That is awesome. Do you know what? I'm not sure. Is it Michael Rosenbaum in, in, in that league? Because he plays a lot of ice hockey. You know Lex Luthor from Smallville? Yeah. He, he always puts on there that he plays for for like a celebrity celebrity ice hockey and i know christopher reeve um son played or something like that but who knows do you know what it you know that is a great dream ice hockey is obviously your love um but would you say it's 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 good as you say being a journeyman do you think it's it's safer not to be the main star and to be a supporting star then be a main star because when you're a main star i suppose that it's easier to fall down if you know what i mean is that if you make a couple of couple of flops i mean between you and me bruce bruce willis to me has been an amazing actor in the past in looper and die hard and all that lot but he's doing quite a few films now that aren't the best and and right. for me it's sort of like Mm. But I suppose being a, a journey, journeyman, there is some amazing actors that are there, and I and I consider them as important. To be fair, do you know? Do you know? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Do you think it's safer to be a journeyman within this, you know, in this profession, for security wise, than be a a main star? You know, I think both both parts can go either way, but I think in, in the kind of the working actor journeyman kind of world it, it's a lot closer to the way i approach things which is very much from a place of slow and steady um mm. if you rise up slowly you're not going to fall very quickly you know they're not going it's not going to be taken away from you very quickly either um i think definitely if, if you know when i started out in my early 20s if i had gotten a starring role in something that and this is just it's not the person it's just the business what it makes you you now can only work as like the lead and things doing anything mm. else is a huge hit to your ego it's a huge hit to the way people perceive you what you believe you're supposed to be getting the financial cutoff is huge um you lose the whereas as in kind of the position that i'm in i you know i i'm not above a, a small role because it can be a lot of fun it can be really fun to just go for a day and, and it's it's very 
stress-free because I know I can do my job well and I do it for a couple of days and then I walk off the project and move to another one. I'm not expected to carry a show. And if the show fails, it's not going to personally hurt my career in the same way. Um, so there are merits to, to moving slower through it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I just had a thought that obviously when you get to the level of fame to play in this celebrity NHL game, <laughs> are you any good? <laughs> Because yeah, yeah. it's one thing get, getting into it, but imagine if you got on there and you couldn't hardly skate, and that would be hilarious. But as long as long as long as long as you're good, that's that's all what matters. And the last question for your uh, IMDb is: if you were hosting a party or a soirée, um, and you had to invite five guests, dead or alive, you know, who would they be? Five guests. Okay. Just off the top of my head. Austin Matthews, star of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Charlie Chaplin. Robin Williams. Meryl Streep. Hmm? It's like, for the fifth person, I want to say Peter Sellers, but I've read so many things about how he was a huge asshole, so it's really... I feel like he would ruin the party if I invited him to it. Don't you just hate that? Do, do you know what? Have you have, have, have you ever met anyone, like, star-wise, uh, in, 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 in your jobs that, that literally, you know, before you met them, they gave completely the different impression to you? Do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you thought that they were a diva or... They thought that you could, they were going to be nice, and or you thought they was wasn't going to be nice, and they were nice. Is there anyone that you've worked with that 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 happened to you? I would say with most uh, quote unquote stars that I've worked with, there's always a disconnect between their public perception and who they are on set. It's mm. not for better or for worse. It just you have to be a certain person in the public, and you probably work a different way. And and everyone has their own process. The person that really comes to mind is Tony Braxton. She is so humble. She is so down to earth. She is so nice. You know, she is one of those actors where, you know, you know, you're working with someone special when some an actor has their own hair team and makeup team like that. That doesn't deal with any of the rest of the cast. Like, it's just like she's got her own team her own people handlers following her around. And that's fine because she's got a huge brand that she needs to protect. And that's who she is. And these movies mm -hmm. that I'm making with her are banked on her name. But my God, is she humble? My God, does she care about every single person on that set? I'll give you a quick story on that. Um, we were shooting a scene with a lot of extras. And uh, in one of the takes, a guy, one of the extras, slipped and fell in the background. And we kind of had to stop and we just kind of re-recorded. And he kind of got up and he was like, I'm okay, I'm okay, everything's okay. You know, he, he was a little shy about it and he didn't want to, he didn't want to take attention away from what was what we were actually doing. Um, Tony didn't really notice when it happened, but I think like 30, 40 minutes later, someone told her, oh, that guy fell. Mm. And she went and found him in background holding to talk to him and like, make sure he was okay. And she was like, are you okay? You know, you're a part of our team. That means we take care of everybody. Like, is there anything I can do for you? You know, she's an executive producer. She, she was a leader in that moment when no one was asking her and no one expected her to go to background holding and talk to this guy. And he was like over the moon. He was like, oh, I'm just such a huge fan of yours. Can I maybe just take a photo? And she said, of course, of course, let's do it. Let's, let's, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you want, man. Um, it's not that I didn't expect Tony to be humble or anything like that. I didn't have a lot of expectations as who she would be as a person, but I was blown away by her humility as a human being. Mm. But this, but this is what people don't realize is, as you, as you said a moment ago, they, they, they are people, you know, the, the, you know, the, the one thing on screen and another thing off screen. And yeah. like us, we have our good days and bad days. We some, yeah. some, sometimes just, just want to be left alone uh, when you don't know what we're going through. I mean, I had, um, I had to look after Nichelle Nichols, you know, Lieutenant Uhura from Star Trek, the original. Mm -hmm. And I thought that she was going to be a bit of a diva because she's quite a, a big, a big name. And we ended up going shoe shopping together. And like literally, she was the nicest woman I've ever met. We we talked for hours about the first ever interracial kiss on TV, 
uh, with wow. with her and William Shatner, um, and oh, she gave me a big cuddle and a kiss at the end the end of the day. She was about seventy five at the time, eighty, um, but she just blew me away. She really, really did, which yeah. which is fantastic when you meet people that 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 you know you you think are fantastic and they're not going to let you down. So what is next for you? Obviously, people. I, I would say just to, to add to yeah. that, I would say that most people that are working at a very high level in this industry are usually very kind people because mm. there's too much money riding on working with assholes um, unless they're just so good it's undeniable and they have their own brand that just carries them and even that eventually falls short at some point but you know it takes a village to make these things and no one wants to keep working with a toxic person so most of the people that are kind of mm. at the top quote unquote and have been there for a long time are the nicest people in the world because they care and they care about those around them and people want to keep working with them and networks want to keep putting money behind them. The studios want to keep funding their films because they're good people. They make good films or TV shows and they make everyone around them better. And, you know, from crew to camera department to directors, writers, they want to work with these people. Mm. And, and you, you, you're spot on because I'm not going to name actors, but there are some quite high profile actors that, I like that and uh, where are they now you know people don't want to work with them and and you know their products their their name has sort of been tarnished a bit but what are you working on at the moment that you can talk about or not talk about you know is it a case of you're you're putting your feet up while uh, you prepare for uh, fallen angels murder club to come out um you know how how are you keeping yourself busy at the moment yeah uh well i'm i'm uh i'm pretty much an out-of-work actor at this point, uh, so I'm auditioning a lot. Uh, I'm working on an animation show with PBS. Uh, it's my first cartoon that I'm going to work on uh, called Rosie's Rules. Um, so that's kind of something that I'm currently working on. And then I also love to uh, I love to produce. I said that movie that I, I made with my buddy, uh, we're going to try to release that. It's a horror film. Um, so I'm producing that right now and, and kind of working. We're kind of just getting it through post-production. Uh, and then, and is you know, that, and is that called Sanctuary? Is it Sanctuary? That sanctuary, yeah. yeah, 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 awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, and then, other than that, you know, I, I keep myself busy by uh, by kind of trying to engage within my community here, uh, the film and TV community in Toronto, and, and stay active in that. Um, I work with a charity called POV, uh, and we help marginalized youth and young adults and people that don't have access to film training, education, or anything like that, uh, oftentimes from um, communities where there isn't an opportunity or any sort of like, you know, lifeline to do any of this stuff. We try to access, give access to those people uh, through mentorship, job training, placement, uh, and ultimately try to place them in, in the industry. So I'm working very actively with the charity right now. Um, kind of, we're working on a whole bunch of different types of projects. So you say you're out of work actor, but it sounds like you're very busy. So, so which is which? I suppose for my own sanity, I have to keep things going. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. I really do. But Sean, you've been a great guest. Uh, I hope all the best for you. Keep safe and stay super. And I look forward to all the projects that you do in the future. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. You've been listening to Be More Super, the podcast. It was kind of a crazy, fun experience. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends. In my world, it means hope.